Hello and welcome to The Blue Couch brought to you by Eiffel Corp. Founded in 1998, Eiffel Corp has established itself as the leading provider of educational technology and training solutions in Africa. Eiffel Corp, the hub of education, technology and innovation. Hello and welcome to The Blue Couch. My name is Matty and I'm not alone today. I'm joined by... Alata, how are you, Maddie? Fine, and you? I'm good, good, man. Good. I see the weather. The weather's a bit gloomy, but we've got a very hot guest on the show, so it means that we are going to have some love and light, and we're going to keep the Pun fire intended. burning. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, quite excited to be back. Episode eleven, Alata. Almost close to the end of the yes. year. And I really am looking forward to, to making sure that our last conversations are very fruitful and we get some invaluable insight from our, our fellow colleagues. Um, and I think that then just alludes to um, us introducing who we have on the show today. So um, I think we, everyone is happy to have our guest welcome back to the, um, to the Blue Couch. So we have Elvis. Um, who, he, who is uh, joining us on this episode. And um, Elvis, firstly, um, thank you so much for availing yourself. And um, I know we've previously introduced you on the Blue Couch, but it is a pleasure again to have you um, on the show to discuss some pertinent issues. Thank you, Mati. It's my pleasure. All right. So a lot of hot off the press. Uh, maybe you want to just take us through that before we get into today's episode? Yes, and you know how hot off the press is. It is indeed controversial, if I can put it. <laughs> so I always look for the enlightening, empowering quotes said by people and articles around Africa. So today we're also outside South Africa. So we're going to be going into Kenya and Tanzania. So the article is by Tom Jackson in an, a website called Disrupt Africa. It was quite interesting because they cover North, Southern Africa and East Africa, all news, everything under it that falls under all those regions in Africa to see what's happening, what's new and what is fresh. So the first one is under highlighted massive opportunities. So the open quote is digital access for students is one of the lowest hanging fruit to make access to opportunities and learning a more level playing field in education. This was said by the CEO and founder of Ilumu, Nivi Mukherjee. She is based in Kenya. She has a very interesting and very enlightening software that is penetrating the primary school market specifically in Kenya. And then another quote is open quote. Another big issue with the uptake is product market fit. There is a huge demand for educational products and services, but most of these options out there don't directly address what customers are looking for. This was said by Nisha Lijon, CEO and co-founder of Ubongo, based in Tanzania. So these are big people doing big things in Africa as well. So he wraps it up by the way forward to overcome these infrastructural, infrastructural, technological and financial barriers. Lijon says there is a need to build rich solutions that take users a step at a time from traditional to 21st century learning. And I also agree with them. Bridging these solutions is one of the key elements that would actually take Africa forward because developing a very advanced and high level software for any education or any institution within an African context becomes hard to integrate it, you know. So sometimes you do need a, just a mid-level 
software or mid-level technology that could just fit the market as it is. So yeah, and that is it for today. Okay, so definitely uh, quite some interesting things that you've mentioned there. And um, I think it then brings us to our um, actual topic for the day. Um, Elvis, the reason why we, we, we actually wanted you to, to tackle this conversation is because we understand the passion that you share when it comes to you know, education as a whole. And just to give everyone a brief introduction in terms of what we'll be talking about today, um, our topic is, is Africa moving forward with e-learning? And we will also specifically um, focus our, 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 our the lens on, on on South Africa, seeing that you know this is this is what we're, we're we're actually facing during this pandemic, and it has somehow forced us into the corner where we've had to cultivate a culture that allows us to integrate some of the things that we wouldn't necessarily have considered, um, you know, before the pandemic happened. So, Elvis, we when we say is Africa moving forward with e-learning? What are some of the things that you can that you would like to share from from your side? Okay, uh, thanks, Mati, and thanks, Alata, for the wonderful introduction and the picture that uh, you just actually uh, uh, provide regarding e-learning in Africa. So, when we say is Africa uh, moving forward with e-learning, I can say uh, yes. In general, African countries are doing their best to drive e-learning. And, and now, uh, because of what we are going through with uh, COVID-19, so e-learning has become actually vital um, for learning and teaching, and uh, it must currently be included in the curriculum. So again, as I said, in general, African countries are doing the best. However, we need to understand that we have uh, our Africa context. And when it comes to answer these kind of questions, or when it, when we are doing a research, you need to understand the context because the context is very important. So again, Matt, as we said, yes, we are doing our best in Africa. However, we still Africa still faces some challenges which can mm. be defined into African context. When you say challenges, um, Elvis, we, we, we already see some of the impediments that, you know, we can uproot in, in this entire process. And I think it's highlighted some of the areas that we have had to work on, um, especially as a country, to say what is it that we are going to do to enable ourselves um, to be able to mitigate, you know, certain circumstances like what we are going through. So when you mentioned that we are facing um, specific challenges, um, what are some of the challenges that we you have identified that might not be common to someone else? might not be common knowledge for someone else. We, I mean, one of the things that stands out like a sore thumb is, is, is the digital divide that we're already experiencing in South Africa. So maybe let's use that as a starting point. Um, I think that is one of the biggest pain points. So what do you think, um, you know, are, are, are some of the, the challenges that, that we are facing? Okay. Uh, 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 thanks again for the question. However, before I can answer that question, I would like first to identify uh, the benefits of, uh, of e-learning. We yes. all know that uh, e-learning provides many, many benefits. However, mm -hmm. for me, the most important is, as um, e-learning is uh, actually has the potential to enable Africa to achieve education for all. That's for mm -hmm. me the most important, to enable Africa. When I say Africa, I mean, African countries to enable yes. them to achieve education for all. When I say education for all, I mean that everyone 
must be able to actually to learn, must be able to to interact the content and must be able to, you know, to be able to understand what is happening in learning space. And mm. again, when we say education for, for all, I'm thinking of rural um, students or rural learners. I'm thinking about those universities that we have in rural areas. Because uh, when we think about Africa, and again, as I said earlier, when it comes to African context, we have actually the gap between urban universities and rural universities. And uh, so by using our e-learning, it can actually help all those learners wherever they are to be able to, to learn. And mm. when it comes to challenges, as I said, Africa is a huge continent. And in Africa, we have different, you know, different uh, challenges. So mm. to, to answer that question, I'll prefer to divide Africa into regions. Maybe I can say five regions. We can have, for example, South, we have East, we have West, we have North, and we have Central Africa. And now we can see maybe in among those five regions, we can actually select randomly one country and give an example so, 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 so that we can understand those different challenges which prevent Africa uh, for using e-learning to its full potential. Mm. Okay. So, um, so taking, so let's bring it home a bit so that, you know, we are actually talking about something that resonates with, with a lot of us right now. So if we bring it back to South Africa and we look at some of the challenges that we have experienced, what do you think are some of the things that we could potentially start doing to create that level of accessibility and to, to, to still allow students, even um, who, students who are not in the urban areas, students who might find themselves in more rural areas where they face um, a lot more challenges, what is it that can be done to, 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 to create that level of accessibility for them? Okay, so uh, before we can reach the point of, of, of uh, suggesting what can be done to, to, to allow this dream of education for all in Africa, we need first to understand, maybe we can go through different challenges. And again, as mm. I said, we can, we can divide those challenges based on different regions. So I can say actually the first one that came to my mind, in some African countries still have war, people still fighting. Mm. And it's very difficult to go to those, those kind of countries and say, listen, let's start with e-learning because first of all, they don't have peace yet. So for those kinds of countries, they must first have peace. And when I, I, I say a war, I'm thinking about Central Africa. I'm thinking of North Africa. I'm thinking of some country in the east of Africa where there's still white now fighting and there's no peace. So obviously that's a huge challenge when it comes to those type of country. We have another challenge that we have, it's electricity. To be honest, e-learning is driven and supported through ICT infrastructure. And if there's no ICT, it means there's no way we can talk about e-learning. And once we talk about ICT, we think automatically about electricity. If there's no electricity, there's no way we can talk about uh, e-learning. An example of electricity, let's say, for example, you have a student who is staying in a rural uh, environment or area where there's no electricity. The question is how that learner will be able you know, to access online content mm. while there's no electricity. 
that's among is a is a challenge i'm just i'm going to list those challenges then i'm going to give a context into uh, south africa perspective okay that's the first one this the, the third one it's uh, 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 internet access again in africa internet access is still a luxury and it's it's very expensive you know i can it's give an example of a country like uh, uh, ethiopia country like Kenya, country mm -hmm. like Sudan, where for a learner to access internet, you need to pay a lot of money. They can charge yes. you easily maybe one USA dollar or five USA dollar per, per minute or within 30 minutes, which is expensive because those country members, 90% of the population, they are living into poverty, which pushed me to include another challenge, which is the poverty. If you still if you still facing poverty in Africa, it's very difficult to to speak about uh, e-learning. And mm. another one, I'm thinking about it's a shortage of trained educators. We don't have enough educators who have skills when it comes to science. So yes, we can think about an urban university which actually is willing to implement e-learning. So the question is is that uh, does the university actually have uh, people, skilled people to drive that e-learning uh, 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 environment or e-learning infrastructure. So we need again to train our educators. And when, when, uh, when I say educators, I'm thinking about, for example, uh, teachers, uh, lecturers, in any academic, instructional design. So we need to have those people of skills in order to drive the ICT infrastructure. And I, I can name, I can name many of them. We have uh, inequality. And let me mention this one, which actually I can give a context in South Africa, which we call actually technophobia. I don't know how much you know about technophobia. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> I've never a, a heard very about common it. term. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. actually, what does it mean? It's just, it means the fear of technology. That is no technophobia. So we still have uh, academics who actually don't want to embrace technology, don't want to embrace e-learning because in their mind they think that e-learning will make them jobless. So they're afraid of embracing e-learning. They're afraid of embracing technology because they want to save their job. So we need to educate those people to remove technophobia from their mind and understand that by implementing e-learning, it's going to enable to enable Africa actually to provide or to achieve education for all. So, you know, you you've made some uh, some some crucial points there. I mean, uh, firstly, you you know, we need to take into cognizance that the, the the state of which a country would be in in order to even pursue something of this nature, you know, to even start thinking of whether those conversations are actually going to start happening. Um, and then there's also the physical infrastructure that we need to be taking into consideration and looking at you know the wellness aspect of where that specific country is at that moment in time and is the frame of mind of those people and even people that are making decisions in, in the right space for them to be able to see that there is a need for something of this nature. But again, how do we then, um, you know, pursue the need if we also don't have the right um, 
physical infrastructure to accommodate all of these changes that need to happen. So you mentioned something very important for other countries that have problem with problems with something as, 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 as typical as electricity. How then do we expect for them to be able to build um, certain infrastructures that support this transition and support this change um, that we are anticipating or that we are expecting everybody to be, you know, um, embarking on. So I think it also raises, uh, it's quite thought provoking what you've, what, what you've mentioned. Um, and I think it, it would take someone back to, to, to actually start thinking, where are we right now? What, what's our current stance as a country? And, and what is it that we can start doing collectively to mitigate some of the problems that we have so that we can start then fostering that e-learning culture, that, you know, cultivating, you know, you know that, that, that level of, of interest in, 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 in institutions that we already have. How are they run? How are they managed? You know, what condition is, are, 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 are certain things in? And are students able to, to, to walk in to that space and allow for, 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 for teaching and learning to take place. So um, I think that for me really sticks, Elvis. Um, and and it's, it's one of the things that um, one needs to think about before even thinking about some of the suggestions, like I had said earlier, in terms of what could be the solution to some of these problems. Um, but before I ask my, my, my next question, because my mind is racing, Alata, um, I know probably right now you're also thinking, hmm, quite interesting what has been raised. Any thoughts from your side? Um, I only have one thought. You mentioned something about ICT infrastructure. And that goes back to how many investors as well are also looking into that sort of a thing. Because I remember when I was reading, I was reading a lot of articles before I came to what I read on Hot of the Press earlier. And they did mention that investors get turned off by a couple of things. And it's one of these things where you mentioned peace. Is they actually, if there's so much unrest in a country, how can we then implement such things as investors? How can we put money into a country where we're trying to develop it and they also have their sort of issues? So it's, it, it goes back to so many issues that um, arise before we can even start with e-learning. And it, it's actually quite fruitful. And uh, uh, again, uh, on top of that, uh, Alata, when, uh, uh, we talk about, uh, when we talk about ICT infrastructure, we need to understand that the ICT infrastructure is, 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 it actually includes many aspects. And the first aspect, it, it's people first. We need to understand if we do, uh, we do have skilled people who will be able to drive the uh, uh, e-learning environment. Secondly, it's about resources. When it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to resources, we think about computers, we think about you know, um, tablets, we think about projector, we think about, uh, again, electricity. So we need to see if we have all those uh, environments. We think about internet itself, because there's no way you can implement e-learning if you don't have internet access. So the basic thing that we need to have is internet access. And we don't need to have a slow internet access. We need to have at least a normal internet access, which will allow the student to enjoy or to access the content. So we need to think quietly big when it's the infrastructure, because without a well-defined ICT infrastructure, there's no way a university or any institution can be able to drive an e-learning environment. That's so true. 
Um, I think then, Elvis, I mean, you've mentioned quite an important aspect to this entire thing that fits into this puzzle. Obviously, you can't then have all these, uh, you know, you, you can't have the hardware and have the software, but not have anything that enables all of that to work um, together. So if, if we don't have internet access, then it's quite pointless for us to then start saying, okay, but this is what we can do to start implementing this, to start, you know, um, fostering the culture of e-learning. But we also need to remember that, you know, we are living in a country where we do still see a digital divide, where we still see that, you know, other students in, in, in specific rural areas don't have access to, to, to internet. And um, it, it has somewhat, um, you know, created that separation. And we can now see who are the students that have been left behind and which students have been able to move forward even through the pandemic um, and will still be able to progress post the pandemic because they have already had that infrastructure in existence prior to this um, 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 pandemic taking place. So they're just leveraging off of some of the you know, uh, tools that they have put in place for themselves to make sure that um, the children that actually do act uh, attend that school, they have no issues with accessibility or of any sort and also you will you will find that it's not in every school um, that you know things like technology or computer-based education um, is, 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 is is actually taught so other than internet and accessibility being an issue somewhat the level and the standard of what we are teaching from a for, from a fundamental stage um, needs to also be looked at because Children uh, uh, um, in specific rural areas are not prone to be having tablets. But you find that in, in, in the cities, the children that are able to afford a, a better school in, in an urban area are the ones who are actually going to go to school where they learn from a computer or they have a specific class that focuses on teaching them these digital uh, skills that they need, you know, for the corporate world. So... How do we get to a point or what are, what are some of the things that we can start doing to, 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 to mitigate that, that, that difference, to mitigate that gap that we see already? And, and is that going to help in contributing towards um, build, bridging the gap that we already see um, from an e-learning perspective? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yes, Martin, that's a good question. Remember, uh, I, I, I mentioned some ch uh, challenges that we find in, in Africa context. However, I said earlier, African country uh, uh, they are doing the African country are doing the best the best to drive e-learning. So yes. even though we have uh, Africa have, uh, have still have uh, many challenges, however, we still need to come up with uh, solutions which will allow uh, African country, you know to use uh, e-learning uh, to its full uh, potential. So to do so, we need to shift our thinking. And uh, when I say shift our thinking, we need to embrace what we call hybrid thinking. We need to embrace what we call adaptive thinking. And when I mention I, I, hybrid thinking, hybrid think, uh, thinking is a process which actually ha uh, uh, help people to come up with customized solution which respond to a specific context. And our specific context right now, it's actually Africa context, where we still have a problem with internet access, where we still have a problem with electricity, where we still have a problem with poverty, where we still have a problem with inequality, and so on. So we have already some other uh, 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 
companies which provide and uh, different elements where actually they, they, they're planning or they already include what we call offline version of an element. So that's mm -hmm. an example of uh, hybrid thinking so that yeah. even though we don't have internet access, however, our students, our learner, they can still access the content offline, which help actually to respond to some challenges. You know, that is a, the first one. Another hybrid thinking is to start actually upskilling our academics. And we need to show our academics that you know, technology is here to support them, you know, and that they're not supposed to be afraid of technology. Before, you know, I, I mentioned technophobia, is that fear of technology. We need to show them, listen, guys, don't be afraid of technology. Technology is here to support uh, pedagogy. And if you check the history of our, of or the age of our, our academics and uh, for this context, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come straight to South Africa in our, in, our beautiful, in our beautiful country. If you check actually the age of our academics or lectures, uh, it's, it's, I think 80% or 90% will still have those academics which they call themselves born before technology, you know? And uh, <laughs> 10 to 15% is, is, is these new academics we, who are enjoying technology, you know? So yes. once we face those 90% or 85% of academics who are born before technology, we need to help them to understand that they need to embrace the new way of teaching because we can't actually teach our kids the way they've been taught yesterday. If we yeah. do, if, if we do teach them the way they've been taught yesterday, it means what we are hoping them the future. We need. Mm. So we need to embrace and help them to understand what can be done. And after that, we need to train them. And once they embrace technology, then we can start talking about how to use e-learning. Let me give you an example of uh, uh, of uh, inequality that I mentioned earlier. I just I'm here in in South Africa. Let's just take randomly two universities. Let me take University University of Cape Town and Fort Hale University. You see, uh -huh. one is in in Eben and another one is in Rura. You see, both those two universities. If you go and visit them, they are using e-learning, isn't it? Uh -huh. Because they want to support education for all. But if you check the rate of adoption of e-learning, you will see that in the University of Cape Town, the adoption is higher compared to Fort Hay University. You see? Uh -huh. And the reason are, if you check the origin of students who are at Fort Hay, and you check the students who are at Cape Town University, you'll see they are from different, totally different backgrounds. Some they are from rural background and others, for example, in Cape Town, they are from uh, urban uh, uh, area. And those learners from urban area, actually they are used all the way to technology compared to those one from uh, rural uh, area. And those, it's kind of inequality that I'm talking about, where us as academic, us as, I don't want to say government because I don't, I don't want to put politics here, but we need to do something to equip as well those rural universities to be able to increase the adoption of e-learning in order to support this education for all. Because for me, that is the key point of using e-learning. Yes. Yes. Mm. So um, I've just been make, making uh, some notes here just to go back and to be able to 
you know, mention some of the things that I think, you know, that you mentioned that are quite key to, to, to this entire process. And, you know, one of the things that I pick up is that it, it's actually quite important. And, and I think it's paramount for, for not just um, us as, as, as people that are understanding to the world of, of, of e-learning, but also, as you've mentioned, um, to, to, to the academic space as well and to, to the relevant people who are part of this, this, um, this entire process to actually allow or, or to welcome technology and understand that, you know, uh, technology is not there to replace them in any way, but is there to, to, to augment the, the, the learning and the teaching experience. So we're not taking away the fact that they, they are still very necessary in this process, but we're saying embrace some of the things that are put in place to help you integrate uh, um, what it is that you'd naturally be delivering face-to-face and, and, and if you're putting it somewhere, let it still have the same value and the same quality as well without thinking that it's there to overpower or overshadow your, your actual abilities. And um, also, I think what you've mentioned in terms of, you know, accommodating that hybrid thinking, it's quite important because it then speaks to us, you know, shifting our mindsets and preparing ourselves and gearing ourselves for a world that is going to require for us to have an in-depth understanding of what technology requires of us and what it is that we can use, um, use it for and, and how we can leverage off of this entire process and come out of it stronger, understanding that we've acquired certain skills and that going forward, it has enabled us to, to become a, a better caliber of people that, that, that understands the digital world and the digital space as a whole and our contribution to that space as well. So I think for me, it, it just to sum that, that, that up, it's, it's just to, to allow ourselves to be able to embrace change because it's the only thing that's constant in life, number one. Number two, to try and in it, to, to, to foster you know, a, a mindset that allows and is receptive to, to, to change and to thinking differently as well to then enable that paradigm shift that we, we, we would need to see in order to, for us to start embracing this new way of teaching. So I think for me, those are the three points that really do stand out. I mean, other things we could go on and on about because we understand that, that some of the challenges that we're facing as a country, more especially when it comes to certain things like electricity. You know, it's not something that's actually within our control. If load shedding is scheduled, it is what it is at this point. But um, those are some of the things that are actually contributing factors to us, you know, not moving at, at a pace that we would ideally like to move at to make sure that, you know, uh, everyone has access to, 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 to the internet and students are still able to learn and instructors or lecturers are still able to teach, etc. So those are some of the, the, the impediments that we see that are not within um, our control at the present moment. But I think what you've highlighted um, prior to that is quite important. And these are things that are within our control and some of the things that we can start thinking about and working towards in making sure that we prepare ourselves and we future-proof ourselves for a world that is going to require for us to understand what technology and the digital space actually means to us and how we can best leverage off of that entire field. Um, Alata? <laughs> Uh, before I start preaching, um, anything from your side, your thoughts? <laughs> um, no, it's okay. We can proceed. Okay. So, Elvis, you've highlighted quite a, a, a number of things that, um, you know, get one thinking and, and, and really, you know, just uh, trigger that, that, that trail of thought that is necessary, especially in this process. So I think 
um, for someone that is actually listening, they will start, you know, thinking about what are some of the things that we are facing and what are some of the things that we can start doing that are within our sphere of control, uh, you know, to, to better contribute or to actively contribute, um, you know, to, to, to the transition of e-learning in a way that is going to accommodate people and help them understand what it is that's required of them throughout the process. Um, and to also give them that level of assurance that, you know, it's not necessarily there to, to um, replace um, if that's that's a word to use to replace what um, educators, lecturers, anyone in the academic space might be thinking, um, you know, that it's actually there to make the experience a lot better, not just for them as the person creating the content, but for their end users as well, which will be their students so that everyone can come together and we see how fruitful this entire journey can be uh, um, for everyone. So, sure. I could I could ask you more questions, <laughs> but I but I also know that there are other things that will you know push us to start looking at things from a political point of view, and we don't actually want to do that because that's not uh, our forte right there. But I think you you've you've you, you've raised um, quite quite um, you know you know pivotal issues that you know get the mind thinking and start getting conversations going because these are the conversations we're supposed to be having. There's no point in identifying that we have an issue. Whereas we're not coming with with, with you know uh, you know uh, solutions that we could propose, so it's, it's it, I think it's also going back to that paradigm shift where we also start think, saying to ourselves we can't be problem minded only. We we need to be solution minded in having identified a problem. So yes, to the question that we asked initially when we opened, is Africa moving forward with e-learning? Definitely, we can agree with you. Um, as, as colleagues, as people who are working together and are seeing this transition, we have seen, especially with the interactions that we've had with specific lecturers from specific institutions, that it is effective, that it is working, that people are trying to get accustomed to this. But yes, we do have other things that we still need to work on that is going to um, contribute positively and effectively to that physical infrastructure that we're going to need, which ultimately might eliminate some of the problems that we see, especially pertaining to the digital divide that we are still facing in South Africa. So I think yes. with that having been said, um, there's a lot that we can start working on and there's a lot that we can start doing. Yes. Again, to answer that question, yes, Africa, you know, yes, is uh, moving forward. And that's the reason why we do have uh, Eiffel Corp, which is our beautiful uh, uh, company. So we are here yeah. to, you know, to assist Africa to, to, to move uh, uh, forward with uh, e-learning. So we provide, you know, we upskills our academics, we provide mm. different training. And as I mentioned earlier, we need to, ad to adopt what we call hybrid thinking. And actually to what we are using Eiffel Corp, we are using our hybrid thinking to provide, you know, a, a solution which will respond to African or any institution context. We don't just provide general solutions, but to provide mm. a customized solution to a specific a context. So yes, with all, all of us together, yes, Africa is moving forward. However, we still need to do more so that Africa can still use the full potential of e-learning. Oh, yes. 100%. Um, I have to concur with you on that one. <laughs> um, there's a lot that we, we, we try to impart um, as, as an organization to help bring, you know, the realization of, of the importance 
of this transition to, 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 to any lecturer that we interact with or any institution that we interact with. And I think being fanatical about learning, you know, about technology, about innovation, it also allows us to have a playground where we also use this to, to, to our benefit and to see how we can actually customize and personalize the treatment and the training and, and some of the knowledge that we impart with anyone who might be going through this journey. So yes, 100%, that's exactly why we're here to nurture and to also handhold um, any of our, of our clients that, that, that might have that, you know, that, um, that doubt, are we going to be able to do this? Is it something that's going to work? But with teaching and imparting that skill set that's necessary for them to thrive in this kind of environment, I think we're doing quite an exceptional job in making sure that we're empowering the right people who are going to then carry this out. And it's going to have some sort of, um, you know, community-based thinking where people can come together and build that sense of camaraderie and leverage off of each other. So I think, um, yeah, so I think uh, we... we we, we're, we're not too far off and we're not too far ahead, but we're definitely where we need to be. And there's definitely more that can be done. So Elvis, um, from my side, thank you so much for, for um, you know, um, imparting that knowledge and, and some of the insights that we, 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 we actually probably overlook uh, on a daily basis. Um, one being that, it, you know, technology might be common to, to, to all three of us in, 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 in this session, but to someone who's never actually been exposed to it, it might be, you know, a mountain. And they're asking themselves, how do I get over this? And when we look at it, it's, it's a mole. I mean, it's, it's what we do. So it also um, allows us to be a, a lot more empathetic to, to different challenges and to not speak from a point of privilege, um, to be cognizant of the fact that people go through different things um, as well. So thank you so much from, from my side for that thought-provoking conversation. It's quite invaluable. And like I said, it's always a, quite a, an experience having to chat with you. You know, um, you come with um, such extensive knowledge and I know the passion that you share for the academic space. But thank you so much for um, availing yourself to, to have this conversation with us. And um, I hope you'll come back to still talk about some of the things that, you know, we are facing in Africa, especially from a technological point of view, pertaining to the rural areas, um, you know, um, as a whole, you know, so we hope that you will come back again soon so we can have more of these conversations. You know, the blue couch is always your home. <laughs> Alata, you. I will, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it's, all, it's always a pleasure. I'm going to hand over to Alata to close for us. I know he's got some powerful ways of ending our conversation. So Alata, I'll hand over to you. Thank you so much, Maddie. Thank you so much, Elvis. Um, that was very enlightening for me. I always listen um, with so much hope and so much clear clarity, if I can put it that way, um, to always know that it's going to get better. As much as we live in a continent where there's always baggage and there's always negativity associated with it, where they call us the dark continent, but there will always be light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, so today's conversation, we wrap it up with a quote by Richard Branson. And it's quite a funny quote, it's humorous. He says, in 30 years, as technology moves forward even further, people are going to look back and wonder why offices ever existed. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's really going to happen. So, yeah. Okay. And thank you so much. And that is it from my side on the page.
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Blue Couch. If you are as fanatical about learning as we are, make sure to visit our website on www.ifocorp.co.za. To subscribe to the podcast, you can use any podcast platform by simply searching for The Blue Couch, subscribing and streaming away. Eiffel Corp, the hub of innovation, technology and education.